Hello, I am Oliver Tanby. Welcome to the Future of Asia podcast series. The Asian century has begun. Asia is the world's largest regional economy. It is at the center of the technology revolution. It is at the center of consumption growth, consumers of the future. It is at the center of climate risk and what we need to do to mitigate. As our economies evolve further, Asia has the potential to fuel and shape the next normal. In each episode, we are going to feature conversations with leaders from across the region to discuss what Asia's rise means for businesses everywhere. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. This is Axel, and I will be hosting today's podcast around the future of healthcare in Asia. And I'm joined by three wonderful colleagues, Sentu Arumugan from Kuala Lumpur, um, a partner colleague who recently joined Asia coming from the US, Han Yu, associate partner located in Singapore, and Meng Wei, associate partner from Shanghai. As mentioned, we're going to discuss today in this group the future of healthcare in Asia. As you probably will all recall and appreciate, Asia is primed for rapid healthcare change for many, many reasons. First of all, I think driven by shifting demographics, but at the same time, the raising expectations of the consumers. Technical innovation and at the same time, obviously, the, the limited legacy healthcare infrastructure, which is probably also then accompanied by quite a significant strain on the, on the financials and the access to healthcare in the countries here in Asia. Now, as I briefly mentioned, we're obviously seeing also today that digital healthcare is fundamentally changing the, the way healthcare is delivered today. Billions are today using digital healthcare already here in Asia, and it's just going to increase. And we've seen the increase um, through COVID over the, over the last years. And we're expecting that through digital health, we can create value approximately around 100 billion of value until 2025. This will be all driven through consumer-centric digital ecosystems, and these ecosystems are going to emerge across all countries here in Asia in the response to the forces I mentioned above. Now, with all of this, we do still see that these ecosystems are not yet at full flourishing, and we want to discuss today how we will see these ecosystems over time evolve, and I think this is, at the end today, the exam question. How does an ecosystem within and across Asia look like? What are common themes? What are challenges? And where do we want to invest, potentially, when it comes to these ecosystems? Before we get started... I think it would be good to lay the ground for all of us here in this podcast to understand what are the fundamental forces that are driving healthcare and its transformation here in Asia. And for that, if I could invite you, Sentu, to give your views on, on what you think the driving forces of transformation are, and we'll see whether the colleagues have anything to add as Sentu concludes. Thanks, Axel. I think it's a great place to start. The way I see it, you know, there's four or five forces really at play here. I think, you know, first of all, we're getting older. Uh, you know, my wife reminds me of that every day. I'm sure, sure many of our spouses do as well. If you think about what's going to unfold over the next four or five years, I think by 2025, we're anticipating Asia to have about a half a billion seniors over the age of 65. You know, that's roughly 10% of the population. And what's really unprecedented is the growth 
you know, it's 14% growth from where we are today. And that's a massive demographic shift that's quite unprecedented. I think the second trend that I've seen here at play in, in Asia, and I saw the same thing in the U.S., you know, we are getting more demanding as consumers. And, and because of the healthcare itself is becoming consumerized. You know, I like to say that our lives are becoming uberfied, so to speak. You know, we are expecting so many of the commercial needs that we have to be on demand, centered around us, and that's seeping into healthcare now, right? There's more transparency than ever on cost and quality of care. Consumers are flocking to telehealth as a means to get on-demand access. And of course, as you alluded to, Axel, COVID has really accelerated that. I think there's a third trend around cost itself and the fact that there's a growing financial burden of care across Asia. As we get older, we are getting more ill, and naturally our cost to take care of us is going to go up. I think the challenge there is that in some markets, we aren't spending enough, and in other markets, we aren't spending in the right way. And there's too much of a focus on curative care, hospital-centric care, versus really investing in preventive care. I think that's going to be a big trend as we look to the next five to 10 years. I think the fourth trend I've seen here is around labor market pressures. It's ironic in some ways because there's some of these trends are really driving demand, but at the same time, I think we're going to have less providers than ever before to take care of us. I think the WHO estimated there's going to be a shortfall around 9 million nurses globally, and some of the worst hit countries are going to be here, right here in Asia. Some of these shifts have been challenged. I think the last shift is, is really an opportunity, and that's around technology. I think we are getting smarter, and innovation in technology is really accelerating at a faster pace than ever before. I think roughly almost half, I think around 40 to 50% of global VC PE investments in digital health are happening right here in Asia. And that has just set the foundation for ecosystems and innovation through ecosystems to flourish. Right? And I think that that's my perspective. I don't know. I'm sure Ming Wei Han may have some, some additional points from their time here in the ground. Maybe as we move on, maybe Meng Wei, given that you're located in China, maybe if, given that this has been a, a broad brush across Asia. If you were to specify this a bit around China, I, I think our listeners would be super interested to get a bit of additional color around China and, and see which of the five trends that Sentu has talked about would be amplified or some others to be downplayed. Thank you. So I think there's three things linking to the five trends. Quite interesting in China. I think first thing is China is definitely aging uh, pretty fast, right? As the Sentu uh, reminds. At the same time, government is trying really, really hard in the very recent policy to encouraging the growth of population. And if there is a relaxation about the birth, right? I mean, so there is a important aspects of some of the country to have more younger population to alleviating the trends of aging. That's something that China is trying to do on top of the fast aging trends here. The second thing I think very importantly is about the care continuum. It is about being preventative and uh, many of the governments are seeing this, China as well. And it's also about the rehab, rehabilitations and the chronic disease management, the post-care that also become more and more important. People are actually exploring here in China. So we have been seeing investments into like chronic disease management, both um, in virtual form as well in, in, in real form, very tangible forms. We've also been seeing that there are also investments being kind of pumping into the rehabilitations from the government side here in China. So it is about preventative care. It's about great acute care. It's also about the great quality about disease management and post-care. So the third thing is really interesting in China is about the technologies, right? And 
So the technology, if I think about, there are two photos of it, right? There, there are one photo is really about just uh, the business model kind of renovation on top of the technology that's more on the digital side. There are more sciences-driven type of technology innovations. So both sides, we are being seeing uh, some of the uh, innovations and uh, breakthrough here in China. So investment are going to the areas as well. So that's something that being highlighted here in, in China. And anything you would like to add given from a very different country like Singapore? Well, maybe one thing that I would emphasize on top of what Sentu has laid out as these fundamental forces is that these forces have been in place even before COVID. I think there is a tendency sometimes to think about digital health as really being a recent push that has come out in a post-pandemic era. But in reality, many of these forces and many of the innovations that we started to see happen, or the examples that we'll talk about in a bit started in 2017, 2018, or even earlier. In Singapore in particular, we have seen a lot of push around transformation and digitalization of the health system. What I think has really changed and accelerated with the pandemic has been just consumer expectations or what we sometimes call the consumer flight to safety, where consumers have increasing recognition of the importance of health and hygiene and are therefore more open and interested in some cases to adopting this. And physicians' interest as well, a willingness to be able to adopt telemedicine and other digital channels to reach their patients, given that there are fewer alternatives. Thank you. Thank you, all three. As a response to these fundamental forces disrupting healthcare, we see a lot of consumer-centric digital ecosystems emerging. I mean, you all mentioned technological innovation as one of the big trends. Can we talk a little bit about what kind of ecosystems we are seeing, what kind of ecosystems are emerging? Han, I think it would be great if you could start and then um, maybe Mangwei, you build on this. Sounds good. Yeah, why don't I give a view of the different archetypes of ecosystems that we're really seeing emerge? And I'll start by saying that in response to the points that you know Senthu was making, creating better access to care is one of the biggest imperatives that we're seeing across the various ecosystems that are emerging. And so the by far, when we look at the overall value pools and where a lot of the excitement and innovation is happening, two thirds of the hundred billion in value that actually you mentioned at the start of the call is being created really in telemedicine, remote care delivery, digital pharmacies, and so forth. And that's really been the nexus of the first type of ecosystem that we're seeing around broadening access to primary care by basically being able to support and help patients in, say, rural areas or in areas where they have less access to care to be able to more easily reach physicians in the form of either access to teleconsultations or access to e-pharmacy and have that alternative of being able to see a physician in 15 minutes rather than spend hours waiting in line at a hospital, which might have been the case beforehand. The second type of ecosystem that we're seeing is a little bit more further upstream of that, where it's more around improving health and wellness. And this, as mentioned earlier, in a post-pandemic era, there's been a lot of interest in health and improving hygiene and basically investing more heavily in wellness. But what we're seeing here is that payers as well, health insurance companies, are more and more interested in leveraging digital technologies to help to nudge patients and nudge consumers to change their behaviors and basically take better care of their health. And there are a couple of examples examples of this, I mean, one in particular that's close to home for me would be the Health Promotion Board in Singapore, which has for about five years now been running the Healthy 365 program, which is basically an attempt to gamify overall health and wellness for consumers in Singapore by giving people the chance to basically earn points if they exercise more, if they buy healthier goods and products and so forth, and therefore be able to shift and reduce their consumption of downstream care services by basically being more focused on prevention and wellness. 
Beyond that, we're also starting to see some attempts to basically increase and expedite access to acute care in the form of appointment bookings for hospitals. And that's a third of digital ecosystem that we're starting to see emerge. It's really on basically how do I create digital front doors for hospitals to be able to engage with patients more easily before and after their visits to a physical site. And then the last one, which we're seeing furthest downstream, which is a little bit more emergent, is on chronic disease management, where the opportunity to basically help manage patients outside, uh, manage patients with a chronic disease like diabetes or cardiovascular disease in a home setting and by nudging them to improve their behaviour and change over time. Asia's standing in the world has changed and it's clear that where the focus once was on how quickly the region would rise, the reality is now all about how Asia will lead. Keep listening to the Future of Asia podcast. The way you describe the four models uh, right now, it feels to me that there is also some kind of prioritization. Is it fair to say that the first two are the most prevalent ones that you're seeing across Asia and the latter two are more emerging and still nascent um, ecosystems that are involving? Or how would you give our audience a sense of what is big and what is small? Yeah, I would say that that's right. The first two are definitely ones that we're seeing more across the board, where there's a lot of interest in just increasing access to primary care. There are some estimates that up to 20 to 25% of consultations for primary care could be done digitally in the next five to 10 years. Um, so that's where I think a lot of the energy and momentum is happening across different geographies. There are country specifics here. So I think the third form of ecosystem on expediting access to acute care is much more prevalent in China, where we're really seeing that begin to take off. And Mengwei can probably speak to that in even more detail than I can. No, I think it's a perfect segue. I would have exactly done the same now to pull you in, Mengwei. I mean, we've seen ecosystems evolve significantly in, in China. We see it from the, the typical providers to insurance, but also to tech players. Maybe you can give a bit of light around what are the prevalent models and the dominant models and successful models also in China. So let me take one step back, talk about what exactly is this ecosystem, because we have been really hearing this word for in many occasions, right? We have seen individual businesses, right, like pharmacos or hospitals or insurance companies as verticals. And importantly, more and more, the, one of the important reasons why ecosystem being formed is that people realize it's interlinked throughout the healthcare system. So there are strong bonded kind of ecosystem where people are having investment or close collaboration to form such a cross-business bonding. There are also kind of ecosystem that are more linking just by partnership via the digital means. So it's really kind of when we talk about ecosystem, it's a cluster of businesses having organic connections that aiming to provide a better care for the patient. So that's something that we're talking about. It's really kind of a cluster of businesses. So interestingly, in China, we do see two types of ecosystem. The first type of ecosystem is what I'm mentioning about the four archetypes. I would say that in China's cases, we do see more and more provider-based type of ecosystem that originated from renowned hospitals. Like we know that there's thousands internet hospitals registered in China and 70% of it were kind of operated by the public hospital versus 30% of it actually operated by the tech giants. And another thing that we have been also realizing here in China is that besides the individual verticals kind of uh, ecosystem, there are ecosystem players originated like Tencent or Ping'an or, or Baidu or Alibaba. 
they were kind of not just restricting one specific ecosystem. They actually build a broader and bigger ecosystem across different types, right? So just taking Han's examples, it's more like the tech and the insurance giants, they are trying to build a broader ecosystem, just aggregate all four ecosystems that Han described into one. So you're trying to cover government pieces, you're trying to cover provider pieces, try to cover insurance pieces, and also try and cover pharmacy and technology pieces. So we see bigger ecosystem kind of emerge here in China versus the small verticals that we have been seeing other places in Asia. Very helpful. Maybe bringing us to the next topic, because I do think a lot of what we've been seeing is obviously at the beginning. But we do think that there still remains significant opportunity to, on the one hand, expand the scope of today's ecosystem, but also to tap into further value pools. And Han was describing the four levels that we were seeing. If we were to put ourselves into our audience and the business leaders here, well, what should we consider when building and scaling these ecosystems? And maybe we do a, a round robin here for the different colleagues to talk about this, because I, I think from your different vantage points, there are probably different areas of focus that you might be pinpointing. And um, why don't I start with you, uh, Sentu, and we have Mangwei and Han add to that. Thanks, Axel. I, I would call out two things. I think, number one, there is, I think, a lot of importance that needs to be placed on thinking about these ecosystems from the perspective of the patient and the patient journey. And the point there is healthcare is ultimately an omni-channel experience for patients. And we see a lot of activity with digital natives coming to the market and trying to orchestrate ecosystems. But the question I, th I would ask is, as you begin to engineer and orchestrate an ecosystem, are you in a position to effectively orchestrate the omni-channel experience for patient as they move between digital and brick and mortar interfaces where they're getting care and where how they're engaging? That's one. I think the second point I would keep in mind And this goes back to, I think, the point that you made, Axel, where, as Han was describing those archetypes, it feels like the first two are more prevalent in Asia. As a leader in Asia, I would not lose sight of the latter two, especially that around chronic care management. The reason I think chronic care management ecosystems, for example, in the U.S. have taken off maybe at a faster pace than here in Asia is the fact that value-based care is more mature in other markets and less mature here in Asia. As that begins to shift, which is inevitable, and we're going to see more value-based care you know, come to fruition here, those type of models, risk is increasingly going to be placed on the backs of carriers and providers. And when that happens, that's going to pivot the flavor of ecosystems that we're seeing. Right? We're going to see more chronic care type ecosystems emerging because that's where value is going to be created in a value-based care environment. I was going to add to one point that the point that Sentu is making here, and I, I think really thinking about how you as a stakeholder are going to interface with governments or with regulators would be one key consideration because the public healthcare system is such a big part of how healthcare operates in almost all of the countries in Asia. And so thinking about what is the impact of reimbursement, what is going to be the impact of different regulations on the ability for telemedicine to be utilized most effectively are all elements that would have to be taken into consideration as you work across trying to develop the healthcare ecosystem. 
the other piece I would want to raise is, I think one of the things that, that is very exciting in, in Asia and like some of the other regions where digital health is, is coming up is that a lot of non-traditional entrants are looking to come into digital health. And we see a lot of excitement, even from, say, banks or telco companies and so forth who see this as an opportunity to really expand into a new vertical. But for many of them, I think the push I would say is we need to be careful in, and understand that healthcare is extraordinarily complex and the time horizon to driving value can be quite long in some cases. So this is not a case where you come in and build an ecosystem in six months and you know turn a quick profit. The investment required is in the order of years um, to really be able to build all of those elements of the patient journey, um, be able to orchestrate the relationships with providers, with patients, with, with regulators and so forth in order to make this happen. So... One thing I do want to echo as a starting point, when business leaders start thinking about building an ecosystem, it's important to really think about what's the value add to the ultimate patients and customers. That should always be the starting point. Then we start to thinking about what's the profitability and value can be created out of this model. I think the colleagues on the call, we have been collaborating closely across different cases. We do see that uh, the business leaders are very eager to see some of the tangible financial results as an investment, very rational. But first of all, I think it's important to understand to build an ecosystem is really centered around the patients as the first means and as an important goal to start thinking about the journeys, right? And having said this point, we also have been seeing successful ecosystem were originated from the strengths of the investors or itself, right? For example, the tech giants here in China, they really kind of starting looking at their um, consumer side of business flow to start their business to build their healthcare ecosystem. We have been also seeing that insurance companies tapping into their customers to start their healthcare ecosystem. So besides patient-centric, really adding value to the patients, I think the second thing really to think about is what unique advantage that you probably have to build this ecosystem. That's important things to bear in mind to start a journey. I'm going to ask you now the $1 million question. If we look into the ecosystems, Ecosystems have obviously many components, many different players in this, and many, many different participants. And there are obviously different ways as a tech player, as an insurance player, or as a provider to think about it. And I think the big choice is, do you participate in an existing ecosystem or you do you build one yourself? And if you were to put yourself into a, a provider or into a insurer or into a into a system plan. What would be the, the choices that you would make in order to decide whether you participate or whether you shape a system as a player? Personally, I believe that you would need to have some clear strategic advantage today to be able to orchestrate an ecosystem. So maybe let me start with some fundamentals. I believe that the one market can only have so many ecosystems in it in healthcare because fundamentally the idea of a health ecosystem is that you are bridging across the full care continuum. There will not be 30, 40 different ecosystems in a given market, right? China and India aside because there may be regional variations and so forth. And so what that means is that if you really believe this is likely to be a winner-take-all type of dynamic, you either have to have some incumbent advantage such as broad access to a large number of patients or 
consumers or access to a large number of, say, physicians as the medical knowledge has discussed good to be able to have a strong position to orchestrate an ecosystem. If you are not in a position to orchestrate, then thinking about what could be some of your specific perhaps specialty knowledge or specialty capabilities that could still allow you to be a meaningful participant is still a valuable exercise. And I'll give the example of, I think a lot of pharmaceutical and medtech companies, for example, are now thinking about their position relative to several of these emerging health ecosystems. And in medtech, for instance, there is this question of given our depth in particular therapeutic areas or disease types, could we bring some of that clinical specialty clinical knowledge to bear to help to shape basically the care journeys for certain patient types and embed our smart devices as part of an overall ecosystem. So it may not be an orchestration role, but they're still a very valuable and active participant within that ecosystem. And that is one way to play. Yeah, just add on to Han's point. I think we have to take a little bit different lens in whether to participate and how to uh, orchestrate this. For example, if you are a provider or specialty providers, or if you are a pharmaceutical companies, there must be some of the therapeutical areas that you are really, really good at, right? In that cases, it's possible that regardless of the market, you started our TA-specific or disease-specific type of ecosystem connecting to preventative care and post-care, right? That's something that you can consider to orchestrate and start your own. Whereas if the ambition is to do really kind of population level or cross disease level of cares, then we really have to think about whether we got that unfair advantage to access or serving a group of consumers to start that in the first place. So it's depending on whether you have some type of specialty knowledge, right? You can start something of your own, or do you have access to a broader population to actually looking across different diseases to orchestrating it, right? So that's how I would be thinking about to participate or to build, yeah. The way I see this, Axel, the decision to orchestrate or participate comes down to one thing, and that is your ability to seamlessly knit together that omni-channel journey for a patient. And that comes from one of two sources. Number one, you have unique and differentiated access to customers. I think this is what Han was describing, at scale. Or you have unique and differentiated access and ownership of the assets across that journey. I think if you have one or the other, then you are well positioned to play the orchestration role. If you don't have access to the assets or you don't have access to the patients, then I think it becomes difficult to get to the middle and knit together that journey in a way that, that is meaningful to patients and to consumers uh, in a differentiated way. Very good. Thank you. I mean, what I'm taking away from this conversation is that health ecosystems are here to stay, number one. I think if they are centered around the consumer, they will be successful. And build well, these ecosystems in healthcare will create a, a lot of value for those who are either participating or orchestrating the build out of these. So thank you all for participating and all have a great rest of the day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Future of Asia podcast by McKinsey and Company. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com slash Future of Asia or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. <laughs>